0: message is the way of love. Actually, uh, ESV Bible has this title uh, for, this, for this chapter. I just couldn't really come up with a better way to really kind of sum up or kind of just uh, describe uh, this chapter, probably the most famous chapter in the Bible. So um, today I'm just going um, to mention the general overview of this chapter um, and then uh, from next week on, we're kind of kind of more, more going to verse by verse, more in details. So Paul uh, ends chapter 12 by saying, I will show you a still more excellent way. Right before uh, chapter 13 starts, that's what Paul writes, that I will show you still a more excellent way. What he's saying is that he will point out what is the essential condition for the proper exercise of the spiritual gifts as we have been going through uh, in chapter 12 and 13, uh, chapter 12 especially, um, you know, he, was, he just gave some examples of, of spiritual gifts, uh, but there were some issues uh, at the Corinthian church. And he's saying, before we, uh, as we talk about the spiritual gifts, This is really the foundation, the love, right? The essential condition to really exercise all these spiritual gifts, right? The proper way to do it is to really have love, right? Any gift that you may have received from the Spirit, the foundation of using that gift ought to be love. It really has to stem from love. Now, back in uh, twenty uh, year, uh, 2015, the human rights campaign, it is the, the nation's largest LBG, uh, LGBTQ, and now I guess they put plus, a, a civil rights organization. Um, so they, uh, leading up to the Supreme Court's decision in June on marriage equality, they, uh, so this uh, human rights campaign started this digital campaign with hashtag love wins. Love wins. So they just blasted it everywhere, and then, you know, as that went just, and it went viral. And so tons of people jumped on their bandwagon, and they were just, like, you know, putting on their Instagram, like, retweeting like crazy, including President Obama At that time, he jumped on that. You know all these celebrities. Love wins. Love wins. The message and the implication of that hashtag is basically that if you persist in love, right? If you persist in love, even though odds are against you, or even though you may have been ostracized, right? But if you love, if you if you love, right? Then in the end, love. Will prevail, and of course, the love that they are referring to is the same gender kind of love, right? Men and men, women and women, right? Or maybe even uh, the transgender community loving, on whoever, right? So that, that's that's what they're referring to when they say love wins. They advocated that the traditional kind of love, the love between men and women, right, should not be the only kind of, uh, uh, should not be the only kind that are socially acceptable, socially accepted, or protected under the law. And as we know now, that the court decision to grant marriage equality to all stands as a landmark in the civil rights law. But this Movement or even this understanding, this definition, by the world, clearly demonstrates the human depravity and arrogance. This humankind, that the humankind refuses refuses to accept the biblical definition of love, and basically have perverted the institution of marriage that God has first, uh, you know, started, started at the very beginning of creation, the man-centered understanding of love really destroys uh, the divine will and the divine intention, the way it was designed for. As the saying goes, you know, God created Adam and Eve. God did not create Adam and Steve. Um, this world defines love Basically, as this strong attraction, like passion that you feel. Or if you have a great chemistry, right? Man, you see things eye to eye, and you know, the, the other person will just finish your own sentence and whatnot, They're like, ooh, wow. And they call that love. I've never seen this show, but on TV, uh, that's like a really brief, like in you know, a preview. I don't know if it's still around, but there is this show called temptation island and and just a brief like preview it's basically this like hunks and this like really chisel like looking men and and women right and they just go into this island and that they somehow kind of feel each other out and see how they're they're gonna you know hook up and and they say you know i'm in love i'm in love because of the attraction or the chemistry whatever that they feel right and that's the definition of love to this world but if you go with that then what is gonna stop uh, a 50 year old man in love with a minor right say I- I'm in love right this 15 year old old girl I mean we are in love we truly love each other cradle robber right what is what's he gonna stop uh, what's gonna stop him from challenging the law? Claiming that they are truly in love because they have such great bond, chemistry, and they love each other, right? That they should be allowed to get married. What's going to stop them from just challenging the law? And what about polygamy, right? right? Who is to say that it is forbidden if all the party involved are totally fine with it? We really love one another, right? Whether it is with one husband and. Uh, two or multiple wives, hey, if they really accept that and they can take that and they still love one another, who is to say that that should not be? Right? As long as they are in love. Right? The point that I'm trying to make is man-centered way of love only leads to confusion, chaos, destruction. It ultimately leads to sin. Now, I was only focusing on the romantic side of love, but let's talk about love uh, in general. You know, the New Testament Christianity is this human response to the revelation that that the creator God, the God who created this whole universe, is also a God of love, this creator God who created this whole universe at his command this almighty all powerful god is not a dictator but he is a god of love and as god reveals himself as the scripture reveals who god is now our christianity is all about our response to that revelation out of love for those who do not who have not loved who did not love, the Father sent the Son, and the Son gave His life. And the Father and the Son together have sent the Holy Spirit to save sinners and then save us from our misery, from our darkness, from our sin, so that we may be led into glory Believing in that, believing in this basic truth and being overwhelmed by this divine love, as we really understand this and believe in it, it empowers us to love God and neighbor as the, the two greatest commandments require. Love God, and love our neighbor. Right? That can only be possible when we truly believe in that and to be overwhelmed by this reality of divine love. As I said before, we love because we, uh, we love God because he first loved us. We really didn't know. We had no clue whatsoever about what it means to truly love another person or another being. But God showed us the way, starting from the old Genesis, but it just culminated when Christ came in the the fleshly form, lived a perfect, obedient life, and gave himself up. Not because he was so helpless, but because it was the will of the Father that he would take up the sin of the world, all of our sins. And he himself became sin, and he offered himself and sacrificed, sacrificed himself for our sake. And he died, even though he had every power within himself to avoid it. He's the Lord of life. He's the author of life. He gives life, and he takes away life. And as a person who is in absolute control of life, but he voluntarily laid down his life for our sake, so that we may come to know God, so that we may understand the love of God, See, the measure and test of love to God is a, a wholehearted uh, obedience. You know, John 14, 15, and, uh, 21, and 23 says, you know, whoever uh, obeys me is the one who loves me, right? The one, he who loves me has to obey, follow me, right? That is the, that is the, that is the test. It's not with our lips, right? Or even with our singings, whether we raise our hands or whether we just uh, lift up a just eloquent prayer, that it's not the, the test or the measure of our love to God. Or if you just feel so warm inside, f- so fuzzy inside, we feel like we are loving God so much inside. Maybe during a retreat time or when we are surrounded by other people that is not the measure of true love to God. It is whether we truly obey God in our daily lives. That is the measure of and the test of love to God. And we love our neighbors by laying down our lives for them. 1 John 3.16, that's what it says. That we ought to, because we, have, we, have, uh, we are loved, given shown the love, now we ought to now in turn... Turn around and lay down our lives for our brothers. Right? That's what it says. The sacrificial love involves giving, spending, and even self-impoverishment, self-impo- right? Impoverishing ourselves for their well-being, for, their, for the sake of other people. When we do that, right? That's what it means to love our neighbor, we all know about the parable of the good Samaritan, right? The parable tells us, Jesus tells us, that the Samaritan's kindness to a traditional enemy—there uh, was a Jew—is the model definition of love, of how to love, or one's, you know, how to love your neighbor. Because you know, the guy said, "Hey, you no." Know, who is my neighbor, right? And at that time, once again, in their mind, the neighbor, their definition was a fellow Jews. The chosen people of God, those are the only people that I should care about. The rest of them, Gentiles and all those people, Samaritans, Oh, right? No way. Their definition of neighbor was their fellow Jewish people. And Jesus comes and completely destroys, shatters their understanding when the the priest walked by they said, aha there's a guy who is worthy to love this person who is in need half dead but he walks by on the other side of the road and the Levite comes along and they said, surely I mean he's the one who's been you know who just serves the Lord at all times night and day uh, in the temple surely he is his neighbor and yet he walks by just like the first person and, when, and then probably what they have expected was, okay, okay, this is about anti-clerical story, right? Yeah, because Jesus has been pretty harsh to the, uh, the priests and the Levites and those pe- the r- religious establishment. So now people were expecting Jesus to say, now a fellow Jew would come along. Average Joe sees the per- another person, fellow Jew, in need- desperate need of care and help. But to everyone's shock, Jesus has not come up with another Jew, but a Samaritan, a traditional enemy. And shockingly, that this Samaritan shows love and care for this Jew who would have despised him, who would have hated him. He's the one who picked him up, took him to the inn, took care of him giving his own money, spending. And Jesus says, now go and do likewise, because he is your neighbor. That's the kind of love Jesus is talking about. It is a matter of doing things for people, out of compassion for them. Whether or not we feel personal affections for them, it doesn't really matter. It is by our active love to one another that people, Jesus' disciples, will be known. We will be known. We will be recognized by the love that we show to one another, to others. And it is tragic when the world takes a chapter like this and um, divorces it from its true Christian meaning. Right? And so, oh, you know, this is a chapter about love, and so love is kind, love is patient, all these things. But they really completely just take takes it out of context as if they can love like this. This is what love is like on a human level. The non-Christian cannot really experience this kind of love because it takes the indwelling of the Spirit and the empowering of the Spirit for anyone to display the kind of character characteristic that is mentioned here in, in our daily lives i mean how can any one of us possibly love like this the way it's call, uh, calling for humanly speaking it is impossible it is only when once again in the whole context in this first corinthians in this context it's all when there is the holy spirit who indwells us, and only those who are born again, those who truly just received Christ, those who are saved, are the only ones who have the Holy Spirit inside. And only those are the ones that are enabled to love like this. And keep in mind, that Paul is still dealing with the the, the question of, of spiritual gifts. Here he is emphasizing the gifts Without love are nothing. As he says in verse 1 through 3, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic uh, powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body, to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What a radical teaching. As Corinthians were arguing over, you know, which gifts are better? I said, like, Oh, no, my gift is better than yours. No, 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 my gift is better than yours. Right? As they're arguing over, and therefore arguing, who should have a more prominent standing in the church? Because my gift is better than yours, I should have a more you know, important role. I am more important. I'm better than you. right? As they were arguing over, Paul tells them that all these debates are absurd. It is absurd. Without love, whatever the gifts that you may flaunt, they are nothing. You are nothing without love. the very spiritual gifts that were supposed to build the church were doing more harm than good. And Paul says, this is nonsense. As sensational and spectacular as the miraculous gifts may be, without love, they don't really amount to anything. Whenever the church strives for miraculous experiences, Rather than focusing on Christian love, there will be division and there will be confusion. Even the incredible gifts are empty apart from love. Tongues, apart from love, become mere noise, like a clanging of a cymbal, like, you know, um, like a drum. We don't have that anymore, but, you know, there, there oh, there are some symbols and things, the gongs, and have you guys just... Heard that when you boom, and then it's like so loud, right? It's just noise. That's what it's like if you just speak in tongues and yet if you have no love, right? What good is prophetic word? What, what good is uh, prophetic powers and knowing all mysteries if there is no love, right? Or you may be the most eloquent. Or the most gifted preacher in the whole world, but without love, your preaching is noise. Praying without love is a hollow speech. You may serve and you may sacrifice like no other, but without love, you gain nothing. Like zero nada. You get nothing. I mean, Paul said, if you even just offer, your, offer up yourself, you know, offer your, if I deliver up my body to be burned, to sacrifice, but without love, I gain nothing, nothing. Paul is not minimizing these gifts. He's just saying that they're, uh, they will have no good effect on the person as well as the church when there is no love. Paul makes it clear that you may have the correct theology, but without love and concern for others, it's no good. As we looked at in the previous chapter, the food uh, sacrificed to the idols. Some of the people who had a correct theology say, hey, idols are nothing, right? They're muted. They don't, they don't really exist. People created them and they worship them. That's, that's nothing. So I am free to eat the food offered to idols but Paul comes around and says but by you doing so right you may have the right correct uh, theology but you are if you are stumbling the weaker brothers then you're wrong right because there is no love you are not concerned about their uh, their spiritual well-being you are doing that without love then then your knowledge that you claim to possess is nothing. You may have all the theology correct, but if you do not truly love people, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, you are nothing. Love is the measure of all these things. It encompasses motive and deed. Is it really motivated by love, what you do, right? What is your motive? Are you doing it out of love? If not, whatever that you may be doing, it's no use. Love is is characteristic of the mature believer. The King James Version uses the word charity. It means love in action. It is the heart that is reaching out to other people. You know, charity today makes us think of, like, giving away old clothes, shoes, you know, things like that, or making charitable donations, the gifts. These activities can be Christian love in action. But Paul is demanding much more. The word he uses for love is agape. Agape which is love that sacrifices for the good of others. And the gospel tells us that Christ showed us the ultimate example of this agape love. You know, some people may be willing to die for other people. Parents will definitely, will give their lives for their children. Right, Sean? You would, you would, Right for the sake of your, for your precious children. You, you are willing to die. You will do whatever it takes for their betterment, for their, uh, you know, just well-being. Spouses, they can do that too, right? The spouses, they may be willing to, to give up their sacrifice, their lives for their spouses. Soldiers, first responders, you know, as we just went through the 19th, uh, 19th anniversary of the 9 11 I still remember those firefighters looking way up there in the Twin Tower. There's just no... I mean, I just saw the... I was just uh, just looking at uh, some of the, the recordings and these uh, firefighters, there's just no way we can walk up to like the 80th floor with whatever the little equipment they have and with this raging fire that was just going up there. There's just no way they could just put out the fire and yet knowing... That was this, this in the it was not in the realm of possibility, and yet they took up their equipment and they would just march up. And then soon, I mean, not soon, but you know, in time, the whole tower would just collapse, and all of these first responders gave their lives. So it is possible sometimes for people to willing uh, people who are willing to sacrifice soldiers. They may do so. But for the enemy? I don't think so. Not for the enemy. Maybe for strangers possible. But for your enemy? But Christ has done that. He has shown us the ultimate example of love by dying for the rebels, for the enemy of God. Can you imagine if any one of us would volunteer to say, if there's a chance, That we would die for ISIS. If that means that the ISIS will uh, just survive, would any one of us be willing to give up our life for the sake of an ISIS terrorist? I don't think so. Paul describes the qualities of love in verses four and seven. You know, he talks about the patience, patience, kindness, you know, he does not envy or boast and all these things and the qualities, and you know, we will be going through them more in detail. Its total lack of self-concern is breathtaking. It seeks the neighbor's good. And its true measure is how much it gives to that end. Love is a principle of action rather than of emotion. You know, it's just funny. This past week, early in the week, um, I, was, I was upset I was, you know, I was not in a good place. Um, you know, I, I, I just moved and things. And so it was just crazy. My, my mind was already, like, very, like, you know, on the edge. And something happened. And then I was not happy. And I was not being kind. It was not necessary to, to, to my wife. Uh, don't get me wrong if you think that that's... I, I, actually, I don't think I was. Um, and I was, uh, huffing and puffing. And, you know, I, I, I have some issues, right? And so something triggered... And then I was not really being really clear in my thinking. And then, you know, I started preparing for this message. And then I was like, wait a minute. Oh, my gosh. I'm going to be speaking on the the, the subject of love. And here I am, like not loving at all. The way it is described here, I was not loving. What good is it if I preach a sermon on love but I myself fail to love, love other people. I suppose you may get edified, it's possible. But as for me, that's not, I am nothing. Paul says, I am nothing without love. I'm speaking on, on the subject of love, but if I, have, if I have not lived out love, what good is it? whatever the sacrifice that I have made in ministry, but without love, I gain nothing. A sobering reminder, at least for me. I fall awfully short of what is described here. But I have Christ. You see, Christ and the gospel it's a game changer. You know, in verse 4, it says, love is patient, and love is kind, and you know, love does not, and if I replace this with, like, me, if I put my name in there, Wujin is patient, kind, wujin does not envy or boast, uh, he's, uh, you know, wujin is not arrogant, or, rude. oh, boy, I-, I would just cringe because I know myself, right? I may project certain image, but deep inside, I have a lot of these things that are the opposite of what is described. But the game changer is the fact that it is that me. I no longer live in me, but Christ who lives in me. I have Christ. And if you, you know, replace these words with Christ, it makes perfect sense, right? Christ. Jesus is patient. He is kind. Jesus, lo- uh, Jesus does not you know, envy or boast. He's not arrogant or rude and just it goes so on and so forth. Right? Because Christ in me, the spirit in me, can empower me to do these things. I have hope. In verse 8, it says, Love love never ends. It means it never ceases ceases to have force or authority. Love never ceases to have authority or the force. You know, things come and go. Whatever that is in today will be gone tomorrow. The way of life in this present form will not last forever. You know, before your time, there was uh, this social media site called Zanga, right? It's like a blogging website. And at that time, it just kind of blew up. This is like, you know, in uh, early, I mean, late, night, like in the early 2000s, it just kind of blew up, and everybody was, was on it. It was, like, it was kind of new. I mean, there was like a friendster, things like that. Um, if you recognize these things, you're, not, you're kind of over the hill, right? So, so everybody was on this thing, everybody, and I was on it. Ooh, you know, this is kind of cool, and doing all these things. Everybody was on it. Or oh, maybe not P.J. because he doesn't really like waste his time, like you know, doing things like that on the social media. But just about everybody else was on it, and then Facebook came along, and then that was all the rage. And then the Instagram, and now it's just going. Now it's a TikTok, right? It comes and goes. Whatever that is, so in what everybody is so into, it's gonna come and go. But love never ends. It is eternal. There will always be room for growth in the church. And while we are growing, we will know and see things imperfectly. Corinth was famous for its, uh, its metal mir- mirrors. So Paul uses that as, a, as an uh, illustration in verse 12. It says, For now we see, uh, we see the mirror dimly, but then face to face, Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. You see only a dim reflection of the real person in those mirrors, just as we see only a dim reflection of God today. We don't know completely. But we will know Him fully when Christ comes. And what an encouragement that would be. In this year of pandemic and the social, uh, social unrest, you know, the Christians are divided. Some, some well-meaning Christians say, you know, open up the church completely. You know, the pandemic should not get in the way of worshiping God fully and freely, right? Other, other Christians say, God commanded us to love our neighbors, is it a loving thing to do if we contribute to spreading the virus, endangering the vulnerable? We may say, yeah, I mean, I'm healthy, so I'm okay. But what about the people that we may you know, accidentally just spread a germ to? Some say, some Christians say, hey, vote for Trump. He's pro-life. And the Supreme Court is the last defense against the, the onslaught, onslaught of uh, liberal agenda The issue of abortion, it trumps everything, no pun intended, right? And other Christians say, never trump, right? Enough with his disparaging, you know, shenanigans, right? He just has to go. People are divided. Christians are divided. Genuine, well-meaning Christians are divided. In all these things, there are arguments to be made on both sides, and the Christians are split over these issues and more. And sometimes it leads to heated, uh, not even discussion, like arguments. Right. People are digging in their heels and the polarization deepens. We don't know fully. We only know in part. We don't know precisely what God calls us to do in every situation. Because we only know in part. That's why there are disagreements. If there was so clearly, like explicitly like, stated, there's no room for any of, any of this. But in all these areas, we only know in part. It takes humility for us to say, we hear the other side. right? Hear them out. But still, look through everything in light of the scripture, in the way we, the best uh, as we know how. But what this passage reminds us is love must be the foundation of all we do. Even in the way we relate to other people. Even with people who we may disagree with, with. love has to be at the very core. Faith, hope, love, these three abide forever. But the greatest of these is love. He's talking about the primacy of love. So, you know, as we go through this, um, you know, next few weeks on understanding, expounding on this chapter, may we not simply just walk away with this head knowledge, cognitive understanding or agreement, nodding our head and yet turning around and still engaging in things that are not loving, contrary to what this chapter uh, advocates. May we really just turn to the Lord And understanding all that we do, it has to come from our heart that loves God and love other people. Let's pray. Let's go before the Lord. Let's take a moment to uh, just reflect and ask the Lord to empower us that we can truly love. Because we cannot love like this on our own. You may try, but you are setting up yourself for failure if you do so let us only run to the Lord, look to Him, turn to Him to empower us, and He will through the Holy Spirit. So let's do so at this time. God of righteousness and justice, and yet, you are a God of love. That you love, you have loved us. You have never stopped loving us. That from the beginning, that you have loved us. Even before we were born, you have chosen us. And you, it pleased you to reveal yourself to us when we were blind, And Father, thank you for loving us. Remind us time and again that we are your beloved. So often this world tells us other things about love that confuse us. But Lord, in all things, help us to look at every situation in the backdrop of the cross that the Son of God Hung on the cross out of his free choice for the sake of these people, unworthy people like us. Help us to go have a deeper understanding. May that be the bedrock of our daily lives, the Calvary love. Because you first loved us, now it is only fitting. Now it's only right for us to love, love you and love our neighbor. Lord, it is so um, still a challenge because we are still selfish, mired in sins in many ways. But make it clear to us. remind us. remind us of the reality of the gospel each and every moment so that by the Spirit of God that we will be empowered to love. That is the only way. So help us. Have mercy on us because apart from you, we are nothing. And all that we try to do is nothing without love. So fill our hearts with love for you and love for neighbor. Lord, we confess that in many ways, because we have many of us have grown up in the church, we think we know a lot of things. And we do a lot of things. But we confess that we do things in like autopilot mode, without thinking twice about it, without any concern and true love for the people, for the church. We just do it out of habit, out of sense of obligation. But Lord, may your love compel us to love. May it be our true motivation beyond all, just behind all these. And we do, Lord, lift up the people among us, brothers and sisters in Christ who are in need, people who need our prayers. Pray for those who are sick. Pray pray that you would um, bring healing touch upon them. We pray for those who are mourning. We pray for your presence in their midst. We pray for those people who are looking for jobs, that you would open doors for them. Pray for those people who are really tired. May, May you renew their strength And whatever else the need may be, Lord, you would um, encourage them, strengthen them, and use each and every one of us to be a channel of blessing to people around us, God. And we thank you. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.